Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and Alan Watt, SentientSentinel.eu It is June the 20th, 2007 I'm playing tonight a recording I made of a conversation I had this evening with Butch Chancellor and it's an update on his wife his wife as you know was uh, taken into hospital she had a kidney stone removed and then they decided because she was elderly they'd like to put her to a hospice here's the update what we'll do is just uh, again let you talk and, and we'll start off by asking what's happened since the last time you were on the show. Okay. We can uh, we can do that. Yeah, this you start off and okay. show me how it proceeded from when she was in the hospital. Um, go through the part where they'd, they tried to certify her incompetent and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, and I, and I, I haven't told you, I don't think. Uh, that uh, they, they handed it that, uh, and uh, you know the hospital could uh, have her uh, declared incompetent and force her into a nursing home. They, they handed about the well, they said they could do that, mm-hmm. and then um, they uh, uh, a doctor called me, Doctor Evans. and he uh, told me that uh, this uh, she had a. Uh, Neuro uh, psychiatrist examined Martha, and he and the entire staff agreed that Martha is uh, what's the term? Demented. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now let me give you a little bit more here before we get on air. And what hospital was that again? Pardon me. Which hospital was that? St. John. St. John's. Yeah. In Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he maintained that uh, they all agreed. I mean, like these staff people, I mean, you know, I mean, and, uh, uh, and he alleged that if this, uh, they reached that conclusion because, uh, Martha had short term memory loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, the story from Martha was quite different. They had really pressured her to convince her. The whole bunch of them, or a bunch of people, came into her room. She said, "Doctors, nurses, the psychiatrists, the uh, uh, and some office people." Well, those would be the uh, uh, political commissars, the uh, uh, DFS CPS people. Yeah. And um, uh, they were uh, trying to pressure her into agreeing to go to a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their nursing home, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you don't know Martha, but uh, Martha gets it from her mother, I think. And uh, if you want to do something uh, counterproductive, you just try pressuring Martha. Mm-hmm. I guess they were pressuring her because, uh, and trying to classify her as being incompetent. 
because she wouldn't go along with what they wanted. Right. So obviously anybody who won't go along with what they want must be incompetent. It must be crazy. Yeah. You don't want to do what we order you to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, get this, Alan. Now, I'm not sure about this, um, where this all fits in. But when she came home, well, of course, she came in with a couple of buckets of uh, nostrums of various sorts. And I was going through that, I found two tubes of toothpaste, one which is partially used, mm-hmm. and one uh, which uh, was, uh, was, was not yet open, mm-hmm. uh, made in China. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got a little item of, of my blog about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, on June 1, the FDA, as you may know, mm-hmm. uh, told, you to, told us to dump all That's right. toothpaste made in China because it's contaminated with antifreeze. That's right. Yeah. And so I've, uh, I looked up the uh, uh, first stage of um, uh, antifreeze poisoning. Mm-hmm. Sure sounds like dementia to me. Well, I'm sure that's what it's meant to, yeah. Yeah. I, not, you know, nothing happens by accident. That's right, Alan. They have panel upon panel and bureau upon bureau to investigate the stuff before the public uh, get it on the market. They know exactly what's in everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they well, do. Well, the thing is, they had, the FDA made their announcement June 1, and here it was uh, June... I don't know what it was, the 19th or something, that uh, she came home. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they were merely uh, brushing everybody's teeth over to the hospital, all the patients, with antifreeze. Well, you might find, too, or the doctors and the nurses are, are demented themselves, because maybe they use it, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's free, right? That's right. They can pocket one of those and mm-hmm. give it to their kids. That's it. Yeah, it's a, a sort of, uh, uh, it's passed on like an infectious psychosis. Yeah. They're all becoming psychotic. Yeah. yeah. But what happened to lead up to them releasing, Martha? Pardon me? What happened to, to them leading up to releasing her? What happened, Alan, was that people like you scared the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like you... Uh, uh, let me read you a card. Uh, I asked friends, uh, I asked the general public mm-hmm. to uh, uh, call Martha mm-hmm. and uh, talk to the staff and ask her about their condition, you know, just to let people, let the staff know that Martha was not alone. Yeah. And uh, here's a card. Uh, it says, Hello, Martha. I'm sure sorry to learn you are experiencing the unjust agenda of, quote, these Orwellian times, unquote. Hopefully this will help to wake people up to the reality of what we are all facing. For this, I thank you and pray for you to get well in spite of the treatment you may be receiving so you can return home. If I can help with any uh, nutritional info, uh, just holler. Nutritional healing is my passion. 
signed a Patricia. Yep. And, of course, they read these cards to my son, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you know that one went all over the hospital? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would. It's the only way to it. The, the people who are the most brainwashed are the ones who've gone through studies in universities. It never dawns on them that they're being, their minds are being molded to be an arm of the, this new world order of totalitarianism where everything is scheduled and um, and decided by experts. We have no say in anything. And, of course, they've classified everyone. And Well, look at the young ones. They've got them all in Riddle and all the young guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's a new phenomenon, a sudden new normal. Uh, any any young fellow with leadership abilities is suddenly a problem and has his brain shrunk with yeah. Ritalin. And, and then they've started on the elderly. That's a standard procedure uh, to decide, well, you're not really a productive citizen anymore. You have no rights. You're old. And, uh, and even start teaching them this in school, uh, not to listen yeah. to anyone who's over 25 or even 30. Yeah. So, well, Alan, I've seen this, and you may well have seen it too, but uh, when my beard began to grow a little bit gray, yeah. uh, going out in public, uh, I, I got uh, all kinds of um, disdain from people, you know, from clerks. Yeah. If I went to a restaurant, they would seat me way back in the corner somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, worst spot in the house. Mm -hmm. And and they would do it automatically. Yes. And uh, often when I would go up to the clerk at the, at the checkout counter, mm -hmm. and I had, you know, I hadn't offended anybody so far as I could tell. I hadn't said anything or anything. Mm -hmm. And the clerk uh, it made it quite clear that she despised me on sight. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this is been going on for some years that I began seeing that. Yeah, yeah. And I know it wasn't me alone because I had a friend who was, uh, you know, she was in her 30s, like mid-30s or somewhere, but uh, she was getting a touch of gray at the temples, mm -hmm. and she uh, decided to go back to nursing, uh, school and get her nursing degree. Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, they seated her in the back of the class mm -hmm. yeah. and gave her the lowest grades in the class. Yeah. Uh -huh. And she figured out what was going on when she went and bought a bottle of dye, mm -hmm. and she began working on the gray spots, and pretty soon she was the star of the class. Yeah. Great A student. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, it's been drummed into them since the 60s. Don't trust anybody over 30. Right. And it's actually lower now. In fact, all the... Uh, the reality comes from television fiction and there, there's so many programs on doctors or young doctors and all this kind of and stuff Dr. Malone yeah and young uh, doctor killed there mm -hmm, and lots more since it's ongoing same with the cops they're all there's hardly a whisker on their face so it's too young to be anything of course but it's to make the young identify with them and to disregard anyone who's a bit older with some wisdom yeah. And that's why they decided back in the early 1900s the agenda would have to uh, disrupt the family unit, especially the elderly, because it was the elderly that taught the grandchildren when the parents were working and very, very busy. Uh, their history their history came from the elderly. That's right. And uh, that was wisdom. That was one of my problems, I suppose, Alan. Uh, 
my uh, it was during the Second World War, and my father was working uh, at a, a plant, a munitions plant out in Kansas. And the snow, when the snow got higher, I had to walk a mile to the school. Mm-hmm. And I was in the first or second grade, somewhere in there. And uh, when the, the snow got higher than my head, or my folks sent me back to Missouri to stay with my grandmother, mm-hmm. and I could walk uh, just across the corner to the school, and the snow was not nearly the problem. Yeah. So uh, I learned at my grandmother's knee just a lot of things. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right, and that was one of the points, excellent points that you made on this uh, Statmiller show, I thought, and probably yeah. one that put them all in shock. And yeah, a lot of them were in shock uh, that was even on that show, and um, it, it was a different type, because I, I don't cater towards the usual patriot movement, because I think it's the blind leading the blind. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, i got to go much, much higher and look at the overall world situation, the world picture, and the ones that have been guiding this for a long, long, long time to realize that, uh, you know, this this whole stand-up and rebel is only... Uh, it will be mandated when it's the right time because the big oh, boys have planned yeah. for it for Alex 40 Jones years. will uh, make the announcement. Yes, one of the big boys will definitely say it's time. And then, uh, then the media can all point to the crazies, as they'll call them. They, they tried that after the Oklahoma City deal. Mm-hmm. Every station on the planet suddenly showed these guys going through the forest, dressed in all odd parts of camel gear, and uh, that was flashed all over the world immediately after Oklahoma City, because they wanted something to start then. And then, then they could point out and say, "There's crazy people living amongst you. We've got to defend you and protect you." And that is, uh, is what they'll do at the right time. They've been preparing for 40, 50 years for what's coming down the road yeah. at the top. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you know, uh, the young guys that are in the military have been brought up in a generation that generally never had a family, or if they did, it's one parent generally. And uh, their family is either the local gang. Or, or whoever takes them under their wing and indoctrinates them, and the military takes over from there. Yeah. Uh, so they're, you know, they're they're trained and they've been brought up playing nothing but video games, mm-hmm. where your object is to win at all costs. It doesn't matter who many you kill, and that's your military. And ninety odd percent of them come back from uh, the Middle East and go right into the police force. Oh yeah. It's now called the multi-jurisdictional task force, where they combine them all. Um, with, with um, interchangeable roles, so this is how far it's gone. Fireman, you know that one guy was wearing blouse boots. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, and I'm sure he's just right back from Iraq, kicking doors in and oh, yeah, yeah. ordering people about. Yeah, here he was looking for for some others to kill. Yes, I I had a guy contact me who's just back from Iraq, who's. Uh, He's got some health problems himself, as they all end up doing. But uh, what they're doing is the old terrorist tactic over there towards the Iraqis, where they pick a different area or village every every month or so and bombard it and go in and just, uh, like, like a killing zone, they just kill everybody who moves. And they're trying to terrorize them into submission. Uh, so yeah, this is the real world. This is the real world. There's nothing nice about war. 
Right. And uh, it doesn't matter how many movies they churn out. Uh, there's no good guys in the war, especially when the good guys should be back home in their own country. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. Down on the border there, uh, shooting Mexicans. That's what they'll do. Yeah, they go anywhere they're told and shoot whoever they're told. But they're not going to do that. They're not going to the border. No, no. It's, it's We're going to get all of those illegals in here, and the more... Uh, Psychopaths the better, so that we can uh, start riots here. Well, the U.S. funded all the all the psychopaths in Latin America. I mean, uh, the, the Rockefeller Foundation and all the other big foundations have been funding money into the the, the the Latin American foundations to encourage this. And so, while the, the little people at the bottom fight each other and, and argue in the streets, it's the big guys in the suits and ties in Washington, D.C. and New York that sit back and laugh. Because they planned it all a long, long time ago, you know. But um, what people don't understand is that everything that used to be the normal is under attack. And that's from the family, it's from what you thought was a culture, uh, it didn't just develop. The culture has been has been gradually being purposely altered along a certain direction. Right, and you really bumfuzzled that uh, first hour guy with that. You know that, don't you? Well, I know. You see, the, the Patriot radio stations for years. And here's a thing. Here's a thing. People must understand. I am not my best pusher. I don't push myself good because I come out and speak the truth, <laughs> and so I don't uh, compromise. Uh, there's a huge business in the Patriot movement. It's a, biz- a huge business, and it's been on the go for since the 60s anyway. And it, it's been admitted here and declassified that the CIA started up. Oh yeah. The, the whole the whole movement well, during the Cold know, War, you know. Way back when, remember the John Birch Society? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, old Robert Welch, uh, you know. get out the tunnel and see what's out in the big world, they've already prepared a whole bunch of misleading organizations to, to oh, get yeah. you around in circles. In one case, I was living up near Chicago when I first encountered the Birch Society, mm-hmm. and uh, I, uh, I, I had gone over to the store uh, on one, one occasion. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I don't recall, Alan, how I did it. But anyway, uh, the store manager... Uh, told me if I wanted to come in there on weekends, uh, he'd come down and open the store for me. I, I, I couldn't get in, you know. Mm-hmm. I was just buying a book now and then. Yeah. And uh, so I did that. I went up there, and which is some miles from my home. And when I when I got there, why well, he he was there. He opened the door for me. Mm-hmm. He sat down at the desk and was reading something. And he says, "Just help yourself." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was getting in there and taking armloads of books and putting there, and I looked around, uh, and here were uh, two guys with a uh, 
a, uh, a camera taking pictures of us. Yeah. And I didn't know, know what to say. <laughs> they moved on out of sight. I said, did you see that? He said, did I see what? Yeah. See, th those guys taking photos of us. They, they had a movie camera. Uh and uh, he rushed to the door and picked up, but he didn't see anything. Mm -hmm. and, uh, there you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, they, they admitted here to see the Toronto Star did an article a few years ago, and how the the CIA had started off uh, the a, a propaganda campaign against what was supposed to be against the communists at that time, and uh, they were using Christian Front groups at that time to put over the anti-communist propaganda and then of course it's now declassified in books that the whole culture industry, uh, that meant the left wing movements, the right wing movements were all run by the CIA since the 1950s uh, that's the real world we're living in and, um, and meanwhile as they keep trying to get America back, America's changed from yesterday to the day before to the day it changes oh, yeah. so fast well. I, I, th I, I was glad to see you make that point on RBN, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, what are you going back to, hey? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you can't go back to something that wasn't yours. And yeah, I wasn't there to start with. That's right. And, and of course, it's infantile, too. We always say that the good old days, well, uh, that's when you're a child and you haven't realized what's going on. Right. And you're not paying bills. Your parents are doing the worrying. Right. Uh, that's the only good old days you have. And even that, for a lot of young people today, isn't so good. Yeah. So, you know, it's ongoing. The people, as Plato said, are the most adaptable species on the planet. And so they adapt to every new thing automatically without even questioning it, as long as everybody else is adapting to the same thing. And, and they, they, you can move them such a long way from one normal to, to the next new normal, to the next new normal. And uh, he, I mean, here they are. You know, concentrating on the Mexicans coming in, while for, for about 10 years or 15 years they've been throwing up cameras all over the place to watch people oh, yeah. all over the United States, Canada, Britain, France, and so on. Uh, this is a big agenda, and they divert us with, with really what are really transient phases of the same agenda, but they don't, they don't want you to concentrate on the main part. Why have we adapted to being watched everywhere we go? Mm -hmm. Why? Well, Alan, um, years ago, let, let, let's say it was 10 years ago, I'm not sure, let's say six years ago, uh, I noticed when we would drive into Springfield out to where the big uh, clover leaves are, and a big stop sign was, there was a camera on the pole, a light pole, and there was a camera there. Mm -hmm. And when we would pull up there, I'd stick my hand out and give them the finger. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the fools in the cars beside me thought I was fingering God. I suppose. Uh huh. Yeah. They never even looked up at the camera. Mm hmm. Yes. And and this was back before. Now then they later. I mean, it was just up there unannounced to anybody. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, later, well, recently they began bringing out about what they called red light cameras. Uh -huh. uh, down at the red light where you've got cameras mm -hmm. and uh, these are supposed to give you a speeding ticket yeah. if you run the red light right uh -huh. yeah. yeah 
but it's, it's just amazing too that they just happen to have built in uh, microphones into the ones in the big cities uh, that can pick you up having a conversation in a doorway 200 to 300 yards away. Oh yeah, and, and they told folks that that was to locate any shooting. Yes, I know, yeah. So that's the reality. We're in a complete movement, massive movement is going on long before we were born, in fact, and just building up to where we were to go for the next part of the phase, which is total, total information network. Yeah. And they want to know everything that you're doing yeah. all the well, time. I think that's what we detected here when I called the hospital yeah. and asked for the admission forms and the medical history forms, like 13 years of medical history I was going to have to write down, and I wanted to do it at home where I had some reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they and they replied, "Oh, we all we know all we need to know." Yeah, that's settled that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how could they know anything at all? She'd never been in this particular hospital. Yeah. You know, it's got to be the TIA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, they asked for you to come in after you refused to go along with the little agenda. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I had gone in there uh, without an armed bodyguard, maybe a platoon or so, mm-hmm. well, I'd have been gone. You'd have been assessed immediately, too, and then you'd be inside. Mm-hmm. Because this is happening all over. It's a standard procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they assess everyone. And, yeah. and then, of course, uh, they just come in and take your property. You see, th- th- this is based on the Soviet structure the Soviet Union and in the Soviet Union even when the cops came in they would confiscate someone's uh, belongings and split the loot and pass it on upstairs too everybody got a cut now the hospitals since the 90s have been doing the same thing same in Canada if, if the elderly get put in they try to go after the next one who's left get them out of there put things up for sale because now you're under their care and they need to use that money to take care of you that's the excuse in, in this country, uh, in, the, in, the, in the nursing homes, they call this spend down. S P E N D D O W N. Spend down. Mm-hmm. And uh, before you can get any Medicare, Medicaid, or any of that stuff, mm-hmm. you must exhaust your modest fortune, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, well, not even that. Here in Canada. And that came in the 90s with Bob Ray. They go after uh, you regardless. And, and in fact, they want you to sign over all your property to them, if possible. So they came out with the living wills, and everybody had to get a living will. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, the same government uh, encourages that because they have other lawyers working on that uh, every year, changing it to make more loopholes so they can get in and still take your property. Mm-hmm. That's the law now, yes. Yeah, so... In other words, it's not meant that you win here. It's not meant right. that you win. Everything, including us, we're one big business, one huge business. And that's how we're seen from the top. It's one huge human business. And uh, you got it, they want it, they get it. Mm-hmm. And it's done through, through laws, you see. And now they're not even boring with laws, they'll say it's our policy. Well, gee, Alan, I hope you're taping all this. Oh, yeah. I think this is a better interview than you would have gotten directly. Mm-hmm. Well, this is uh, this is what's happening. 
because uh, again the elderly in the United Nations now the United Nations isn't just a bunch of people who sit there and say we'd like to have world peace it was set up to bring in at least for one phase a form of world government and for every bureaucracy you have in any country every level of bureaucracy where it's to do with uh, plumbing electrical housing standards whatever they have a comparative one at the United Nations not only only an equal one but it's the boss and they are the ones that's, that hand out these new upgrades to all the different countries on everything from health to as I say building codes and it's signed automatically into law and it has been since World War II so uh, now they're only showing their teeth uh, there's no debates anywhere in any, any governments about this the bureaucrats don't have to even go through any politicians they're just here to keep us busy with their punch and judy shows and um, they, they automatically sign them into law well the United Nations declared a good citizen their definition of a good citizen is someone who is a producer and consumer once you're retired you're no longer a good producer you're just a consumer now that's this is another way of phrasing it from Bertrand Russell's comment on getting rid of the useless eaters yeah. you see it's all the same thing and that's what the public failed to realize we're all categorized according to our usefulness to serve the world state mm -hmm. and that is what the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs which parent body that's what they said in the 1900s they'd do everyone in the future would eventually bit by bit come to serve the world state they would tolerate no um, um, excess or idleness and of course their whole idea was to bring about a system of collectivism that's what they called it they, they studied all the systems and of course they promoted the communist system they funded it in fact from the west and they said that collectivism was the easiest way to control and plan a future society a, a society run by experts and of course you'd have a massive bureaucracies to deal with that on the soviet system uh, but, and it, but it's the easiest way for a small fascist elite to, to take control at the top and run it all uh, successfully. That's happened. That's here. Yeah. That's here. And, and, and Alan, um, along that line, years ago, uh, I, uh, I got word that uh, this kind of philosophy had been espoused by the National Educators Association. Yeah. That's their name, the uh, mm -hmm. Teachers Union. That's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I, I got the quote, page number, and so on uh, in their uh, journal. Mm -hmm. And I went down to the library to uh, have a look at it to confirm what I'd uh, been learning. Mm -hmm. And I found it was on the restricted list. The National Educators uh -huh. uh, Journal could, was not available to the general public. Yeah was only available to uh, teachers and mm -hmm. administrators and so on in the schools. Yeah. Well, at that time I was working in a factory, and the guy next to me on the NX machine, his wife was a school teacher, and I asked him if, he could, if she could borrow a copy. I wanted to look it up. Mm -hmm. And she did, and there it was. It said that the purpose was not to educate the child, 
with facts and figures and uh, that kind of thing. It was to make him a socially a well-adjusted adult. And, uh, and that, that came, in fact, that, that uh, phrase from uh, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Really? Eleanor Roosevelt, when she did her tour of the Soviet Union, uh, big hero in the Soviet Union, uh, amazing too, he's a U.S. president's wife at the time going over there, and she said she had to visit, the first person on her list was her favorite person, uh, Pavlov. Uh, because Pavlov not only was, yeah, he not only was, was uh, torturing dogs, he was using all his techniques on children. And what she said, which she compared to Soviet children to the American school children, she said, I don't see any playfulness on their way to school. Uh, they're not uh, jostling each other, joking or shouting or laughing. She says, but my, they're so well behaved and orderly. And that's what she liked about it. And that is the Pavlovian system that's now in the U.S. Because the National Education Association is only uh, a part of the International Educational Association, which again goes back to UNESCO, which is the United Nations. Yeah, they'll take orders from the same base to, to create the same global society. And when the U.S. goes in to conquer another country, to, to free it from whatever it's supposed to be under... Um, they always make sure the first thing they do is set up the schools, in comes UNESCO like they did in Iraq, to train the first generation in so-called democracy and uh, the way of living in democracy. Uh, that's what they've, they've done in, uh, as a standard procedure in every country they've gone into. Yeah. Well, Alan, uh, I, uh, it was a few weeks later that the headline in uh, the Chicago Sun-Times uh, read, uh, teacher knife in social adjustment class. Uh. So I take it that the application uh, needed a little um, uh, uh, sharpening up there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I long remember that after having found that this is what they were trying to do to those kids, and some kids didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Well, John Dewey, you remember, was brought in, and I think he took over from Manley or Manning, and, uh, and Dewey said, they said, we shall start to eradicate history that causes dissension amongst peoples. Because they already planned this whole phase of integration of the world, the multicultural uh, system they'd have. It was already planned in the late 1800s, early 1900s. But John Dewey said that will eradicate the history to co that would cause any dissension and, and will actually uh, cre create a basically ignorant class of, of young people who don't know any history and then can be molded along a new way. And that's happened, that the youngsters now have no education mm -hmm. as such. Oh, yeah, and no vocabulary, so uh, no ability to read, so there's no way for them to get an education. Yeah, like cool men, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, man, like, wow. Yes, totally, man. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. It's called linguistic minimalism. Yeah. And George, George Orwell, of course, as you know, uh, talked about the dictionary would get thinner every year. And it's yeah. happened, it's happened, it's all here, yeah. Yeah. And George Orwell wasn't uh, predicting with a crystal ball. He'd been chosen from Cambridge University to work for the elite. So he understood the agenda. Um, he wasn't guessing this stuff. He knew it and he came out and exposed it. So it's all happened. It's all happened. So the, the whole patriot business 
can go on forever selling all their fear-based products because mm-hmm. that's all they are, are fear-based it's stuff they couldn't sell except for fear mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, it's, it's going to do the public no good because they don't even know that what's happened in the recent past never mind right. the further back or what's even happening now they don't know well get your gold and silver here Alan you know uh, yeah the paper money's no good. But it's amazing how Christians can take uh, the same stuff, and um, they're very selective to do with their holy book. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it comes when it comes down to uh, they shall throw their gold and silver in the streets. Yeah. In other words, we have no use to them. Uh, they, they don't seem to believe that bit. Right. They prefer yeah. to take their their chances on the material side rather than the spiritual. Yeah. Well, I maintain that if I dare uh, take a silver dollar down to Walmart and try to pack a package of gum with it, they would hit the big red button on the SWAT team it hit me. Oh, I think so. I uh, think that so. That poor little clerk there has never seen a silver dollar, and she has never heard one mentioned, I should mm-hmm. imagine. Somebody gave me one once, and I went to the bank with it when I was dead broke. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me a dollar for it, because it said on it, on it one dollar. Yeah, I got one dollar for it. <laughs> That's what I got. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, and in a barter situation. Uh, that's all it is. It's a mm-hmm. barter. Uh, so I don't care what you bought it for. Mm-hmm. In a depression, and you want that loaf of bread. The guy with the loaf of bread will decide how much he's going to want from you. That's right. Yep. He might want the whole bag. That's true. Mm-hmm. So. That's the reality, and, and it's been confiscated before, mm-hmm. because Roosevelt confiscated the gold. Uh, I've heard my um, uh, grandparents and, uh, talk about that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, people were turning in their gold nib pens because the government said, you got to give us all your gold. To bail us out, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know something? I, <laughs> I, I seldom ever watch television because I know it's purely indoctrination. Even the fiction is propaganda. And uh, there was a program on about the guys who'd found the Titanic with the sonar and the deep sea oh, yeah. diving stuff. And it was fascinating because we're following the, 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 the routes that U.S. shipping took during World War II. And uh, a lot of them were, were sunk off Greenland on the way to the Soviet Union. Because the Soviet Union was a priority. They had to make sure Russia survived. Yeah. as a Soviet Union. It's an odd thing when it's your arch enemy, supposedly, they are going to save. But however, they, did, they started to find uh, what they found and what they, what they knew they were looking for. And they spent a lot of money looking for these ships that had been sunk. And they, they went down with this um, very good equipment and you could see it very clearly. These ships were carried laden with crates and crates of gold bars from the United States oh, on the way to the Soviet Union. And, and I thought, my God, this is just one ship. And they, I don't know how many, hundreds and hundreds of gold bars. Mm-hmm. And I remember the Soviet Union was not on the gold standard then. What did they need to, all this gold for? Mm-hmm. Well, they were shipping it from the U.S., from Fort Knox. That's why there's nothing in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were moving it out somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy said that. And they did recover a lot of it. And uh, they said there's many more ships that, they, that were sunk on the way to the Soviet Union that was, were carrying these gold bars. Fascinating stuff when you, re- when you just think about things. 
why would the people on the ruble, who are, who are not on any gold standard, need gold during World War II? And because they didn't have to pay any country backing gold because everyone else was getting taken off it too since, since Roosevelt took over. It's a fascinating thing that people just think that everything is a giant scheme and a giant yeah. con game. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the Rothschilds get up every morning and, and he sticks his finger out the window and decides what the value of gold will be that day on the exchange. Right. As a yeah. commodity. They, you know. they fix the price. It was. A good and guess. That's, that's, uh-huh. the, that's the gold fix, they call it. Yeah. And isn't that an obvious uh, term? Exactly. Well, so is the market. Mm-hmm. See, the, the, the market uh, is for animals. That's where you took animals. And so you have the exchange market and, and you have uh, the business market and, and all the rest of it. That's where animals go. And that's why in all this fake economic system, you have a bull market and you have a, a, oh, yeah. a bear market. You see, these are all, uh, these are all astral, astronomical terms they're using because they used to, all these guys studied the old stars, etc. So, so you have the bear, which is a tourist and, that's, uh, that's uh, the great bear, and then you have uh, you have um, all the other ones. The bull, the Taurus market. It's, it's a big con game, big con game. And just like the the, the zodiac swirls around uh, every year, uh, you're watching the market do the same. It swirls around. It's all fixed. Yeah, yeah. But in a, a giant casino where they put your pensions and everything, and tell you it's quite safe. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's all gamble. Mm-hmm. Let's all gamble, yeah. Uh, and the wheel is fixed. I mean, and it's not fixed as favorably as those in Las Vegas. Uh, that's uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they they have to let the customer win in Las Vegas once in a while, keep mm-hmm. coming back. But I don't think I don't know. I'm sure they have to do that in the stock market. Well, it's funny too, you know, and. Uh, I can remember in Britain that the casinos started to sprout up too, but they were all authorized by the government. Mm-hmm. And then they started to sprout out across Canada, again authorized by the government, who said they'd pay off the national debt with them. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny, everything's gone up, taxes go up, we're still broke, supposedly, and these things are bringing in millions and millions every, every month. Yeah. But uh, we're not told where it goes. Well, here we were told that this is going to pay for the schools. Your kids are going to have plush schools mm-hmm. due to this. Well, they uh, funneled it in to the schools at the top, mm-hmm. but down at the bottom they were funneling it out. Yes, I know. So that, uh, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. net result for the schools was zero. Yeah. Now, everything is a racket. And the big mafia run the system. Yeah. The real mafia. Not, not the guys in Chicago. The, right. But the real boys. The real, the, uh, I get people in government uh, in bureaucracies phoning me and telling me stories all the time. And, and it's just amazing where the money goes. It's, it's in pockets, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. So the psychopaths get into power, they lust for power, they want to get into the biggest jackpot there is, and that's the taxpayer's honeypot. They want to get those claws into the honeypot, because there's no questions asked. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you just, um, uh, you know, you cough up whatever they demand, and uh, uh, who knows what they do with it. 
Yeah, we'll never know. I do know the rackets that uh, go on. Locally, we've had a little bit of a scandal with city government. It turns out that the municipal court was missing $1.6 million. Mm-hmm. And the uh, mayor was recently on a local radio show, and somebody asked him about that, and he says, well... You know, on a $7.6 million budget, $1.6, it really doesn't amount to that yeah. amount. Mm-hmm. They probably fill out their pockets into seats or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or and maybe yeah, the cleaners they, swept they, them they up. Haven't, they haven't found where that money went. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not looking for the losses anymore. Oh, no. What I'll tell you is the cost of investigation would outweigh uh, the loss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, of course, each individual under this world order must be more responsible than they've ever been before and accountable for every penny that you oh, yeah. get in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something, as you Orwell said it perfectly, you said some are more equal than others in such utopias. Yeah. Isn't that true? Eh? That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And how is Martha settling in? Well, she's doing really good, and uh, there is uh, there's really something I, I, I should tell you that is really strange going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had these reports from her that uh, from the hospital that uh, uh, she uh, they had given her a swallow test mm-hmm. that she had flunked the swallow test, mm-hmm. and I got all these reams of instructions on how uh, what to do about her diet, mm-hmm. like uh, she could not swallow um, thin liquids such as water, mm-hmm. and so I was uh, to put uh, thickening in her water, mm-hmm. and uh, no straws were to be used, uh, we had a little sip cup that had a couple of tiny little holes in the lid, and you know, where she was supposed to sip a little bit through that, and she didn't like the thing at all, and mm-hmm. she landed a straw. So I gave her a straw, and hey, it worked. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. And uh, it went on, Alan, and, uh, you know, uh, instead of uh, doing, uh, uh, blending her foods, I started off immediately doing that because that's what they told me it was required. Mm-hmm. And Martha kept demanding uh, real food. Uh, okay, well, uh, take it slow, and let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Guess what? She was eating uh, boiled eggs uh, on uh, diced uh, fresh tomatoes mm-hmm. and demanding some toast to go with it. There you go. Yeah. There you, you go. Know, so the whole thing was, mm-hmm. you know, what were they doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe that she was unable to swallow her aluminum oxide in, in the hospital <laughs> that they were feeding her. That could have something to do with yeah, it. Maybe that was it. She wouldn't swallow the toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Did they give her any sedatives in the hospital? Uh, I don't know. I have requested her medical records, and I haven't received them yet. I've also requested a friend of mine uh, to, uh, to send them to her. Yeah, because that can also affect your swallow uh, reflex you now. Right, but, uh, you know, the thing of it is, is when she comes home, mm-hmm. she's eating like a horse. Yeah, yeah. If whatever she was on is wearing off, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they'd have her on one of these liquid diets, preparing her for the hospice. 
Right. Yeah, in the hospice, you see, you get put on halidol, stuck in a chair that you can't get out of, and, and you just sit there and you drool because the halidol causes a side effect. You actually drool. You can't swallow your own sputum. So, so yeah, they're getting her ready for the, for the exit farm, I call them. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the hospice. I've had doctors in oh, the States no, tell me yeah. that. Yeah. They were all set to do that. That was been a plan from the beginning, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't work out, and uh, principally the reason it didn't work out was that uh, yep. the furthest one out was New Zealand. Yeah, I know so many people there, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they, uh, 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 so I think uh, that it finally dawned on them that uh, there was easier meat somehow. Yes, that all, all the time. Up, they would mm-hmm. get further exposure. Yeah, yeah why, why stick with one when they've got dozens every day to pick from yeah. right because this is happening all over the place this is, this is what people have got to understand uh, when, we, when each one of us we'll all be there one day we're yeah, all going to be there one day uh, uh, they're moving the uh, thing back you know they've been going after the weak women uh, children mm-hmm. um, you know, the disabled and the elderly but uh, they've gone fat and strong on that diet and yep. now they're going after And the problem is now, the people, as you say, since Dr. Kildare and all the rest of it, and Ben Casey and all, all these different, uh, and in, even in Britain years ago, they had emergency ward 10 a drama, and, and, and then of course I've had oh, dozens and dozens of drama series since, uh, to indoctrinate the public into this is the way it is. And so you don't question authority, you just go along with them, yeah. You're not an expert, so you know once you're right. once they decide you need something, you better obey because you you have no qualifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what they've brainwashed the public with through fiction, through absolute yeah. fiction. And uh, and you know there's authors in the 1950s who worked at the United Nations who said they would do this via television. They would use it. To, to disseminate propaganda via fiction to train the public, and it's happened. Yes, and they've, and they've done a bang-up job of it, which you get in a conversation with a uh, uh, someone who uh, watches TV, you're going to find out that uh, they totally reject any uh, reality. They do, <laughs> you know, I said, all of those soldiers, what you say is true about all of the soldiers, the ones that are going to class or uh, whatever, uh, they are issued guns and ammunition, uh, they kept that stuff down to the armory, and when they want all of those people to have guns, they just go down to the armory and they get the guns and ammunition, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the guards. 
Yeah. I set the guards on the gate and patrolling the um, streets of the fort are military police and yeah. you better believe that they are armed and uh, that they have yeah. ammunition in those weapons. Yeah. So the ordinary military policeman uh, carries a pistol mm -hmm. and it's loaded and he has extra clips for it. Yeah. And uh, in the uh, back of his uh, uh, the post or the back of his jeep that he's patrolling in, he has a sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. And it's loaded. Mm -hmm. And I said, and you tell me that those uh, idiots mm -hmm. think that they're going to uh, go up to the uh, guard post mm -hmm. and start shooting? Yeah. And he said, well, you know, uh, they were going to buy some guns. I said, what are these guys going to do with guns? Mm -hmm. If they didn't have guns of their own, they were buying guns from a government agent, right? Yeah. Now, why didn't they have guns of their own? You know, they yeah. couldn't. They most likely didn't have guns of their own because they probably didn't know how to use one. Well, the fact is, uh, and we know this from past experience, that you see all all the big groups that we're hearing today, Al-Qaeda, etc., etc., which is a CIA term, mm -hmm. uh, they started up these groups uh, during the Cold War, again, supposedly to fight the Soviet system, supposedly. And back in the 70s, it's actually counting the newspaper from the top think tanks in Britain uh, that, that when the Cold War was over, there'd be a problem with all these groups that the CIA and MI6 had set up because there would be armed groups, etc., uh, who are militant, who are very nationalistic, because they were encouraged to be nationalistic to fight for their countries against the Soviets. So the CIA once again never left them. They have their contacts at the top, so a lot of these groups, and, uh, and uh, they're all working hand in glove to bring about the chaos, you see. It's the people down at the bottom who do the dirty work, who get caught, who have no idea that they're being fooled, and that's why I tell all young people of all ethnic persuasions, don't join a group uh, because you'll find the guy at the top that's, that's getting you all stirred up is probably working for the CIA. Right. Because they've admitted they ran the left-wing groups, the communist groups. That's declassified now. They ran the communist groups in the United oh, States. Yeah. And, and, and Arthur Schlesinger... Uh, all the big famous faces that you see on television, these were all members of first the OSS and then the CIA. That's declassified now. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that this is a, I call it a matrix because there's many levels to it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, the, the massive funding went into the creation of uh, a culture creation. They had a department in the United States run by the CIA. It was them that funded all the rock, the drug, sex, etc. movements. That's now officially declared. They ran all the ultra-feminist ones. We know that um, that uh, the woman who had that uh, magazine and uh, Gloria Stein, Steinem, oh. uh, yeah, she was she was employed and paid and funded, and they even funded, they signed up her news magazine for her. To bring out the, the you know the woman as goddess type deal oh, yeah. to further separate the family. Uh, I mean, this is all from your own CIA. Yeah. Yeah, you really made some excellent points when uh, you were talking there on uh, RBN about uh, the destruction of the family, about how it started uh, in the uh, uh, 
mid-twenties and kind of got derailed there by the facts of life, mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, later they have brought it back again and much more successful. Yeah, yeah. At that time, they'd, they'd worked full tilt towards a, a, a pill, the pill, the contraception pill, and they'd worked full tilt towards uh, developing better drugs to dish out. And, and so they did, and they tried, and they tested those drugs too on, on military personnel before even the teenagers were given them. So uh, this was a, a strategy to, they were looking down a hundred years down the road, two hundred years down the road even, as to the kind of world that they were going to create from the top. And they had to destroy all that was to make room for that which is new. That's the term that they used. And if they could destroy the family unit, they would destroy the continuity of oral histories and mm-hmm. personal histories. And right. and then when there's no one there to stand up for anyone, the government can, can d- dictate right to you. Just like again in George Orwell's 1984, the big screen was in your home and that woman up there that was telling you to keep fit and all this stuff could speak directly to you. There was no one there to help you. That's right. Do those physical jerks. That's right. And, and so what you had was literally uh, one-to-one government right to you. No family mm-hmm. stand up and say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. That's what they wanted. Yeah. Well, yes, and it's, it, it's really evident to me when you speak of this, and I, I remember uh, the family get-togethers when I was a kid, and my uncles come in, and my aunts, and and so on, and uh, uh, there was no TV, there was a radio, but you didn't turn that on until, oh, six o'clock, there wasn't anything on worthwhile, and you might turn it on and listen to some Amos and Andy or something. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, so what people did was sit around and talk and exchange stories about what they had seen and done and seen done, mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, it was a totally different uh, thing. Uh, yeah. Today, mm-hmm. if you could get a family together, uh, what would they do? They, mm-hmm. they, they don't know anything. They don't see anything. They make no observations. They don't communicate. No. They, they, and they, Yeah, they wouldn't tell you if they knew or couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. They, they can't communicate, you know. Yeah. They don't know how to speak to people because they, they've grown up with that television hypnotizing them, and when that's on, no one talks, everyone stares. Right. It's hypnotic. And it was intentionally developed to to literally destroy communication between peoples. Even in Britain, they used to, the, the, the place where people went, local people would go, was a local bar. There was always a local pub somewhere. Yeah. Everybody came in there, and they'd, they'd discuss everything. All politics, all personal uh, things that were happening to them by governments, etc. And that's all you heard was men talking, yap, 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 you know. Yeah. And you, le- you learned a lot, you heard a lot being discussed, things you didn't know about. And then in, all over the country at the same time, in came a TV and sports in the bar. Yeah, in the bar. And, and if it wasn't that, it was the music blaring until you couldn't talk anymore. But that was also uh, directed from the top. Mm-hmm. and mandated because most of the big bars were chains in Britain. They were, they were long chains, so they could implement that at the top. And it just, it just stopped all conversation. Well, uh, one of the interesting events that I recall was uh, uh, in Boston, there was a place in the central city uh, called Bughouse Square. Mm-hmm. 
And this was, uh, anybody could take a soapbox and go down there and stand up it and try to stand up it on it and express their opinions about anything and try to draw a crowd and try to persuade the crowd to their particular argument. And you could go down there on Friday or Saturday afternoons and early in the evenings. And uh, there might be 30 or 40 guys out there spouting whatever they wanted to spout. Yeah. And I I haven't heard that mentioned uh, since those days. I would bet they put a a quietus on that. Yeah, they would. Yeah, that's similar to to Hyde Park in London, where they have the soapboxes. And uh, you'll get people like tramps going up and, and saying the most amazing oh, yeah. stuff. However, there was a book called Straight and Crooked Thinking came out about the 1930s, I think, 40s. And this uh, fellow had discussed the fact that the public had been conditioned, even then, not to listen to a person dressed in rags, even though they could be telling you the most profound mm-hmm. and true things. But you get the same person, you dress them up with coat and tails and put them in the London Palladium and advertise him as being some kind of uh, master professor. And they'll come up by the thousands and pay money to hear him. And then they'll go home and they'll quote him forever. Yep. And all he's doing is saying the same things. He's saying the same things. But that's perception and judgment. Our judgment interferes with that which we can learn. So... So this is, again, the standard technique of creating a world where the public are trained only to listen to experts. And by that method, you can make them believe anything. Oh, yeah. Anything. Yeah, all you've got to do is pay the expert. Yeah. And that's happened. That's happened. You know, uh, yeah. If you're not an, an expert, you'll be dismissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I encountered that uh, back uh, when I was doing a little uh, political organizing of myself mm-hmm. and was invited around to the university to do a little talk. And, uh, you know, and when I met a, um, a, uh, a hostile professor, and you know I met a bunch of hostile professors, mm-hmm. Yep. The students uh, invited me to their class on political science or whatever it was. And uh, the hostile professor's first question is, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I repair machinery. Well, that just sunk me, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. That's right. I was, uh, you know, I, I, I should have liked that. Persona non grata. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were just, uh, yeah, you're nobody. You can, you can just dismiss anything that you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why, why are you talking? You're just, uh, yeah, you, well, you're a plumber. Uh, you know. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Jesus was a carpenter, you know. <laughs> well, they say that. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that was some kind of a Pharisee slur. <laughs> it could be a Pharisee slur or, or an old Masonic reference to a builder. <laughs> yeah. Because the Hebrew term actually could mean builder, too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating how they how they they can create alter perceptions. And here we have uh, this happened now too with war. And this is why still they keep showing you Hitler with a uniform on, and Mussolini with a uniform on, and Stalin with a uniform on. And and, and of course the whole idea is that's what a, a tyrant is. Yeah. You see, and so here you have guys in business suits because business is good. Mm-hmm. And businesses, suits are good, who are doing exactly the same thing, 
saying the same things, but, but again, perception is distorted because we've been trained to only believe that guys in uniforms are tyrants. <laughs> yeah? Uh-huh. It, it's all psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know, Alan. So when, when did Martha actually come back? What date did you bring her back? Uh, she came back last Friday. Mm-hmm. What, was it sudden, or did they give you much warning? Uh, they called me up and uh, were trying to pressure me to go to uh, uh, send her to a nursing home. Mm-hmm. I was still there, and they persisted right up to the end with that stuff. Really? And I said, "Did you did you ask Martha about this?" And she said, "And the guy says yes." Uh, and we they had I had a couple of phone calls about it, and eventually I got a call from this Doctor Evans. Uh-huh. And he was uh, saying, well, yeah, we asked her about it, and she, uh, and I says, well, what did she tell you? And he says, well, she doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, did she also tell you that she worked for 11 years in a nursing home? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did tell us that. Mm-hmm. And I says, well, we might have to ask you what you want to do. And I says, well, I'm with Martha. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh it had reached the point that uh, that I think they wanted to get her out of there uh, simply because they were getting too much attention. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I had uh, friends calling up wanting to interview uh, this Dr. Evans and him refusing the call. Mm-hmm. And I had friends uh, calling up and wanting to interview uh, uh, this one and that one, people who had been advocating... Uh, uh, Martha's uh, uh, being sent to the nursing home against her will, yeah. and uh, I think they were filling with heat. So this guy says, "Well, uh, uh, we're we're about ready to release her." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, uh, and that was on Wednesday, and I said I had to. I didn't know they were going to do that. It took me by surprise." Mm-hmm. So. I uh, said, well, uh, can you uh, send her home on Friday? This will give me uh, the following day, Thursday, to get uh, home health nurses in here to help her. Yeah. And he said, yeah, we can do that. So she came home on Thursday around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, we uh, have had... Uh, uh, people coming in uh, to see about Martha. The first one arrived here this afternoon. Uh, a uh, health worker, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, she was, uh, we, we've had a nurse here, a nurse was here yesterday, mm-hmm. and we had a uh, uh, nurse's assistant here today, and she was top-notch. Mm-hmm. I, I learned a lot about uh, how to put a sheet under a patient, you know. Yeah here in just a matter of minutes mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I'm really pleased with the uh, uh, the people that we have that are coming in to help yeah that's good that's yeah. good and I, I'm sure Martha's happy too oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah she's so glad to be home yeah and, uh, uh, you know I, I, she was really running a lot of anxiety because they kept pressuring her to go to this nursing home yeah and uh, they were treating her, or one of the things she didn't like, they were treating her like a child. Yeah, that's Martha it. was enraged mm-hmm. when they uh, 
she told me, and uh, these, uh, these people were gathered around her and were trying to uh, make her say something she didn't want to say. Yeah. And she said, uh, do you know they wanted, they asked me uh, what day we were, uh, got married? Mm-hmm. And he said, and all the time they had it there on a piece of paper. Yeah. And she was yeah. just infuriated with them. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. They were playing all kinds of little games mm-hmm. like along that line. Yeah. Trying to, trying to break down her, uh, her resistance. Resistance, yeah. Going off to the nursing home. Of course, that wasn't going to work with Martha. No, she's strong enough to to understand. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah the whole yeah, thing. She was in survival mode. Well, you can imagine how many actually succumbed, though. Eh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, these are the experts, and they're telling yes. you that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have no experience with nursing homes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they don't know, and uh, yeah. been told it's a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunset like Boulevard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm glad it's worked out. I'm glad it's worked out because it's the small victories. But people should always remember it's happening to people everywhere, every day. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and it is happening every day to everyone out there. And mm-hmm. the people need to know that, Alan. Yeah. Uh, th- this was not some setup for Martha alone. And I know. I know. It's, it's, a, it's a standard practice now. It's business for them. Yes, it is. It's a standard practice, and again, as an old man would say, he says, as I am now, so you will be, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, it will come around to everyone, this, Mm -hmm. uh, and suddenly you'll find it's not like television dramas at all. Right, and Uh, since the uh, uh, Terry Schindler Shivo case, it can happen to anyone of any age. That's right. Uh, I think she was in her 30s, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, that decision that uh, that's, that established her, her her order of execution established mm-hmm. the lowest uh, judge on the totem pole. Yep. The uh, probate judge mm-hmm. can determine that anyone is is dragged before him mm-hmm. is uh, incompetent and toss them into a nursing home never to get out. That's right. And once in the nursing home, then uh, age isn't a matter either. Mm-hmm. And as this, this anti-terrorism bill marches and unfolds, because it's meant to unfold, you see, and, and spread to encompass just about anything, your 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 opinions, your inflexibility of opinions, a, oh, a yeah. term they've, they've, they've taken from the Soviet Union, that was enough to get you locked up in a psychiatric hospital in the Soviet Union. Well, my goodness, you're, you're going to see it all come down now, because uh, they want everyone to have psychological evaluations on a routine oh, yeah. basis. Yeah, yeah uh, that was uh, Bush's new freedom that he announced. Wait, well, here's the, here's the key here. See, these guys tell the truth in, in a, a lawyer-type fashion. It was like the New Deal. You see, what, what, what Roosevelt was talking about was a new constitution. People don't understand that. The new freedom means, if it's a new freedom, that means there must be a new definition of freedom. And there yeah. is. There is. There is a completely and new the definition. The was, in that particular announcement, that uh, every citizen in the United States would be examined for psychological problems yes. and treated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was to start off in the schools, and, and, and they're busily going above it. Like I that. saw I saw some of the training manuals that a girl, a teacher, brought home from university. 
on what to look for in children, mainly boys. And just glancing through it and all the different symptoms for either hyperactivity, attention deficit, whatever they claimed it was going to be, I thought you know, none of us, none of them in my classes back in years gone by, none of us would have passed them. We'd all have been on Ritalin. Oh, yeah. I realized that. Yeah. And I told her that, too. And, and she knows, she says, I know. I says, I know, I says, you know, you're a prostitute, you know. You're prostituting any convictions for money. Yeah. And she knew it, too. And that's a sad business that we're living. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That they have people uh, that will do these things to children. Yeah. And because it's mainly, again, it's, it's, it's single parent mothers and families. Oh, yeah. And the mothers, because I've talked to people who worked in pharmacies, who feel like shaking them coming in, these, these mothers coming in to get the drugs to put little Tommy on that's going to destroy his brain because they, they listen to the experts. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks for coming on, Booch. And I'll get this. Well, thank you for having me, Alan. And uh, uh, if I may, I would ask any of your listeners to uh, contact me mm. if they have seen uh, these fake firemen in operation, these mm -hmm. uh, jack-booted thugs dressed in black who pretend to be firemen and are not. And who have uh, pistols on their hips. That's right. Mm -hmm. Firemen yeah. with pistols on their hips. Maybe they're water pistols. I never thought Water of that. Water pistols. <laughs> <laughs> hey, haven't they been forbidden? No, probably. <laughs> well, for kids, I think. Anyway, yeah, if, if they look too much like the real thing, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah, they're made out of little orange plastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's likely to frighten somebody. I'm sure, yeah. But, yeah, my um, uh, website is... Uh, 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 Vetzine, V-E-T-Z-I-N-E dot blogspot dot com and my email is these are William Times at fastmail dot fm and if you've seen these guys in action or you know somebody that has well feel free to contact me I'd like to know just how extensive this this is Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, and I'll talk to you again, Booch. Uh, thank you, Alan, and uh, have a good evening. Will do. So there you have it, folks. Thanks to all the listeners who called from Europe and Australia, New Zealand, the U.S. and Canada, to the hospital where Martha was being held, and thanks for all those who wrote letters and sent postcards, which were read by the staff to Martha. And it turned out some of them even were passed around right through the hospital because the information on it, the indignancy of what was happening, started to penetrate the conditioning of the hospital staff, especially the nursing staff. This is how you change people. Slow process. But bit by bit, you can get through, you can break the spell of their educated indoctrinations. From Hamish and myself, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.
bilhetaria Que es mentira Lo la encontré Por la calle Yo se me enamoré de un amor que no me diga que la querida toda la noche Los besos que cantaré, hay mujeres. Te quiero amar, vivir como una noche y me pasé sin nada. Ya que el día 